Hi there, I'm Sheena and this is the Lesbian Review Podcast. This podcast is a spin-off of the popular review site thelesbianreview.com, where we review the best books, movies and music with leading lesbian, bi or queer women. The goal of this podcast is to bring you closer to the best queer media and give you access to interviews with people who are behind the scenes in creating it. Today I'm joined by the lovely author Jay Hawkins and she's here to recommend five books. Jay, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited. We did a podcast recently where we were talking about your fascination with genealogy. And then we got to talking about how you love reading lesbic. And I was like, oh, well, you have to come on and and recommend some books. And then (laughs) your reaction was like, oh, how many books can I recommend? So I said, well, let's do five. And and you were like, (laughs) oh, it's a good thing you put a limit on. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm a pretty avid reader and I read like such a wide variety so limits are good for me when it comes to recommending books otherwise you'll get a flood of books but you're not just a huge reader you're also like quite a prolific author I was stalking your Amazon page this morning and you've written like 20 something books yeah I honestly I haven't counted them or anything but yes but I have a lot of ideas <laughs> but what's interesting for me is you, you do it across three main categories. So you've got the romance, the, the contemporary romances, then you've got historical, and then you've got uh, fantasy type stuff with like witches. That's kind of cute. And that's like such a wide variety of, of genres to tap into. Yeah, because I, I can't settle on any one thing. I do enjoy romance. I, I like the, and this is actually going to be a part of the books I recommend. I enjoy the introspective nature of certain romances, but then I really like fantasy and sci-fi, um, particularly uh, paranormal and steampunk. So it's really hard to just sit and say, I will always write romance. I can't do that. But you've written some of your books under a, a different name. Correct. Yes, Lucy True, um, because I found that with the the paranormalish um, series I wrote as Jay Hawkins, um, not all my romance readers necessarily carried over into it, even though it is contemporary romance and it just kind of has a f- paranormal flavor. So I decided to kind of separate out the two interests between um, romance and paranormal and fantasy, <laughs> three interests, um, so that readers who don't dig that are like, okay. I don't have to touch that. Yeah, her name's on it, but it's not my cup of tea. And then the ones who do enjoy fantasy, um, but don't mind there being not so much romance, can read those instead. Or both. You know, it's up to them. And I think that that's actually quite a a sound way of doing it. I think a lot of authors are doing that sort of thing to separate and just showcase to readers, look, this is me writing, but I'm writing under this name because then you know what you're getting. Exactly. It's just compartmentalizing everything. Your books are also like really reasonably priced. For the Kindle books, it's less than $4 on a lot of them. Yeah, I think most of them are in that $3.99 or $4.99 range. Um, I think if it's if it's a little longer, it is $5.99. But yeah, I try to keep them reasonable. I mean, when I was a child, you could walk into any drugstore and pick up a paperback for that price, and now you can't. And I know that a lot of lesbian readers particularly will appreciate the the pricing thing because price is a big thing for women because women don't earn what men earn, right? And this in itself is like a big thing. So as a household, if you're if you're two women in a household, you're not earning necessarily a lot of money. But I know a lot of voracious readers who will go through like you know six or seven books a, a month, and so they want to be able to afford all of those books. 
it's difficult though for publishers. I also understand publishers have all sorts of expenses on their side, but you you're an indie author, so you you can do that, which I think is definitely appreciated. In fact, I kind of got sucked into one of your books as I was trolling through. It's it's the first in your um not the charm series, the other the other witch series. Oh, um, okay, so the Cupid conundrum? Was that's that the it. one? That's, that's oh gosh. Exactly <laughs> so I was I started reading the sample because I was like, Oh, this sounds cute and then I got completely sucked in and I was like, Okay, Sheena, you actually need to work now. So <laughs> That's right. Put the put the book down and work, please. <laughs> Read later. Indeed. Okay. But we're actually not here to talk about your books right now. We're here to talk about the five that you recommend. So let's let's get going. What is your first recommendation? Okay, so um, I, I'm going to say up front, I might be a tad biased because I always joke that M. Stevens is my Twitter wife. If we lived near each other in real life, there would be trouble um, because we'd have just so much fun hanging out together. So my first recommendation is To Boldly Go by M. Stevens. I'm going to read the synopsis for you, and it goes, When life gives you lemons, drink limoncello. Taryn's trip of a lifetime is finally happening. She's saved money, researched, planned, and created an itinerary that will allow her to travel Italy, and finally tell her best friend that she's in love with her. But those plans are ruined. When she wakes up alone, her crush gone. Her plans did not include being alone and stranded in Milan. Now Taryn's dream vacation is a nightmare. Enter Holly, a fellow traveler, young, full of life, and comfortable traipsing off the beaten path. Holly feels a connection with Taryn and wants to salvage her trip. After all, they're in freaking Italy, but their radically different travel styles and age differences make for rough terrain. Together, they boldly go into unexplored territories of the heart and may just discover love. Oh, that sounds charming. It is so charming, and... um. The the one thing that M does with a lot of her books is she puts in these really geeky references. So, of course, to boldly go, go refers to Star Trek. Um, both the characters ultimately kind of bond over uh, Star Trek and who's the best captain and, and which series is the best. That's actually, even though I do enjoy Star Trek, that's actually not what drew me into the story itself. I think I found that a common theme among the books I'm going to recommend is going to be the theme of introspection, the characters growing through the story. And that's what happens here, because one of the main characters, Taryn, is completely OCD. I mean, she has to have everything perfectly planned in its place. This trip is going to happen right now, and then tomorrow you're going to go here, and then tomorrow you're going to go there, and so on. So here she is just kind of freaking out because her best friend has abandoned her. And what's going to happen with her plans? She can't be alone in a foreign country where she doesn't speak the language. So she's like really freaking out when she meets Holly. And Holly's just kind of, she appears to be very chill, just going where life takes me, you know, sort of personality. So of course they're like oil and water together. They're like the odd couple. Holly's not even sure why she's putting up with Taryn. She's like, you know, why I why am I hanging out with this type A pain in the butt? And really, it's just because Holly's so nice. She she doesn't want Taryn's trip to Italy to be ruined. And so she's just trying so hard to salvage it. What resonates with me about the stories, I can relate to them both. Because I am like Taryn, where I'm very type A. I need my lists. I need my plans. But if you dropped me in the middle of a foreign country where I didn't speak the language, I... 
I wouldn't freak out. I would take a deep breath and make the most of it. And that's the way Holly is. She's like, here I am. I'm going to have a life experience. You know, two Americans bump into each other. And, of course, the relationship just kind of builds from there. And it's it's really beautiful, especially when they they get to know each other and find out what it was that pushed them each to Italy, what their reasons are for being there. The thing is, one of the reasons is heartbreaking, because M. Stevens almost always writes something heartbreaking into her stories. So if you don't mind a book that's going to require tissues, it's really enjoyable. It's beautiful. It's sexy. Um, It's an escapist kind of romance. And it's just, it's beautiful to watch how they each push each other. Does it have a happy ending? It has an exquisite ending. I just, um, it it is happy. Okay, good. (laughs) That's what I could say about that. (laughs) And I love characters that seem like they're complete opposites of each other and then because they Mm -hmm. help each other grow. Right. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, cool. That sounds like an amazing start to your list. So what is your next recommendation? So we have Romancing the Inventor by Gail Carriger. And I'm going to tell you, uh, I have two absolute favorite authors, um, one who is dead and one who's not, uh, Jane Austen. If she wrote another book, if she was still alive, I would read the heck out of it. And Gail Carriger. And thank goodness she is around because she's still putting out books. Um, I stumbled onto her with her Parasol Protectorate series because it's steampunk, which is a biggie for me. But she came out with this lesbian romance novella that I was so excited to see. And the, the blurb is just adorable. Parlor maid seeks scientist. Lesbian Victorian romance featuring a maid bent on seducing an imprisoned cross-dressing inventor. And I'm not going to go into the entire blurb here. But we have Imogen. And she is a parlor maid who is gay. And she realizes she can't tell anybody. Because, of course, we are talking about Victorian England and Victorian times in general. You didn't exactly talk about that. She's really trying to find work, so she decides to go work for the local vampire hive. I don't know what it would be like working in a hive of vampires. I don't think I would go for it. I don't know about you. (laughs) And if anyone has read the Parasol Protectorate series, they will recognize Genevieve Le Fou, who is the French scientist throughout the series. And she wears what's considered, of course, the men's clothing of the time. So she dresses in suits and top hats and and all that jazz. And she's actually being held kind of prisoner by the vampires. And so Imogen sort of runs into her. And I like humor in books. And Gail includes a ton of humor in her books. And in particular, I like Genevieve um, because she's kind of a gender-bending character. Everything Gail Carriger writes is very inclusive about the queer spectrum, about gender spectrum even. And it was exciting to see Genevieve kind of get her own story and get her own love. So she actually spent most of Gail's original series flirting with other characters. So finding a parlor maid who was gay and kind of exploring herself as a lesbian and knowing it wasn't something she could be in that time and place and then meeting this this woman who totally flips all social norms on their head was just really, really cool for me. I really enjoyed that aspect of it because when you're different, sometimes it's hard to find someone who's different like you. Does that make sense? 
Totally. Because we all have our own level or brand of weird, and finding someone who understands that, I think, is a big aspect of the story. Imogen is, she's wandering uh, emotionally, uh, wandering through life, kind of, okay, I find women attractive, I can't act on it, I can't talk about it, and so when she meets Genevieve and finds out, no, no, there are people who feel this way, and it's okay to be who I am. I think that's the real payoff in the story. There's silliness, there's action, there's adventure, and it's all in good fun. But like I said, it's, it's that finding someone who kind of matches your level of, of different or weird that that is a biggie in Romancing the Inventor. And I, I recommend it to anyone who does also like vampires and steampunk and, and a little bit of forbidden romance. Sounds great. I know that everybody who's read it on the TLR team have just loved it. So oh, yes. definitely a good recommendation, that one. I, I completely agree with you about finding your brand of weird. I spent a lot of my life feeling like I didn't quite fit in anyway. I struggled to make friends. Everybody thought I was kind of odd and weird and whatever <laughs> it is. And when I found my wife, it's like we just, we were the same brand of odd. So it wasn't just a thing about me being lesbian. It was more a thing of me be, just being very different from everybody else. Mm -hmm. And it's like the two of us just clicked like puzzle pieces. So I completely get that finding your brand of weird completely. Yeah, it's, you know, when, when you read a story about, I mean, when you go through life feeling like, oh, nobody, nobody gets me. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with who you love or anything it could have to do with anything and yeah. who we are as a person you go through life feeling like okay nobody gets me i've got friends who kind of put up with me and then you you do find that connection yes it's amazing okay third book okay so i i do like comedy well like i said a common theme of everything that i'm, I'm kind of talking about here is going to be self-introspection and and learning about oneself stockholm syndrome by miranda mcleod it has that aspect to it, but it is hilarious. And the description goes, when a spy dials a wrong number, could it be the connection of a lifetime? Uh, so we have Lee, a secret agent in peril, whose life depends on reaching her agency's emergency hotline. But when she dials the local public radio pledge drive by mistake, a spy-obsessed office temp named Amanda becomes her only hope for rescue. Amanda thinks it's an exciting game of make-believe until dangerous elements from Lee's past force her to reveal her true identity and take Amanda with her on the run. The answers lie in Stockholm, but whether Lee should be more frightened of the Russian mobsters who want her dead, or Amanda when she realizes she's been lied to, is anyone's guess. One thing is certain, if they can figure out a way to work together, the seasoned agent and the savvy civilian just might make the perfect team. So I read this book when it came out, and I laughed my butt off. Stockholm Syndrome is like this fun spy caper. If you want humor, you're going to find it in this story. Because what could possibly go wrong with a secret agent in danger dialing a wrong number, right? You're terrible for my reading lists. <laughs> more books, more books. You should you should see my bedside table. There's like literally a pile of books on it, and then I have a Kindle with like three pages worth of books I still have to read. So how do you balance work and, and reading though? It's a little tricky sometimes. I can't even imagine because you write as well. Yeah. And writing is not a it's not a fast thing. You don't just sit down and ooh, in an hour I'm done. 
I wish it was. That would be great. Sit down an hour later, like 60,000 words just fall out of your mind. And you're like, yeah, that was good. Hand that off to the editor. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Yeah, I wish. (laughs) I do feel like, okay, I've had the privilege of reading um, like some of Miranda's work kind of as she's been working on it as a beta here and there. Um, I haven't always had the time to read it in its entirety while she's working. But the nice thing about a funny book is I feel like it does go kind of kind of fast it's usually a little more fast paced i think when you're always giggling which i was in this story because i can't imagine being a temporary office worker and i'm just sitting there like answering the phone hello thank you for calling our pledge drive and it's somebody on the other end saying she needs an extraction this story doesn't have like any like grim or kind of dark suspense i mean it's got some adventure it's definitely got danger but it's mostly tempered by humor and romance. Also, if you're looking for, like, super sizzling chemistry, this is the book to read, because Lee and Amanda are just really fun characters, and you you want them to want each other. It's really sexy. It's really steamy. I say read it in private, because I probably blushed a few times when I was reading it. And there's a scene involving fuzzy pink handcuffs which everyone wants in in their lovemaking. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> right? Um, because, because of these misunderstandings. It sounds delightful. It is. Have you watched the movie Debs? I, okay, so I love Debs, and I, I can't tell you anything more than that because it feeds into something I'm doing, but I, I adore Debs. Do you like it? Love Debs, one of my favorites, but... Is this kind of like that in terms of it's quirky, it's sort of funny spy, or is it more serious spy with funny elements? It's mostly quirky and funny. There is a touch of like um, seriousness to it. I mean, there's an actual, there's a real danger out there. Uh, Amanda or Lee could be killed uh, during the story. Um, They're not. But yeah, it's, it's a much, much more fun story it's definitely not a suspense or anything like that okay it won't fulfill it won't satisfy you if you're looking for like action adventure and you know mystery but if you are looking for a fun kind of adventure you know indiana jones style humor you'd get you'd get it there you're listening to the lesbian talk show TheLesbianTalkShow.com, your hub of podcast information. All right, so your fourth recommendation then. Now, we're getting a little sexier here with the stories, and my fourth recommendation is Love Without Limits by Harper Bliss. That's actually book seven of her Pink Bean series. If you've avoided this book, I'm going to tell you why you should still check it out. Um, So it goes... Changing the rules can open your mind. Caitlin James and Josephine Greenwood have been happily in love and committed to each other for over a year. Josephine has shed her insecurities, and her musical star is on the rise, while Caitlin hosts her own television show under the supervision of a new intriguing boss. When Josephine starts the conversation about opening up their relationship... Caitlin is faced with a shift in the power balance between them. Together, they embark on a sometimes scary but always thrilling journey to discover who they both truly are. And as you can see, I mean, right there in the blurb, it talks about that introspective aspect of of what I was saying before. I'm, I'm all about stories where you're finding yourself. 
sometimes I'm about stories with melancholy, but I, I'm trying to avoid too many of those here. <laughs> what I like about the way Bliss is doing this series is you don't have to have read any of the others in order to pick up book six or book five or whatever it is, which I think will help because readers may particularly want to read this one, which features, you know, this kind of dynamic versus another one, which maybe has an ice queen or whatever it is. So I think it's smart that she did that. I think so too. I like the fact that you don't have to be yeah, deeply familiar with every character in the series, but if you do love a good series and you do like variety, Pink Bean kind of brings you a little bit of everything, which is also awesome. Yeah, yeah I agree with you. Yeah, I like when series do that because if you're a fan of the series, you'll get kind of like Easter eggs in the series because of mentions of other characters and that sort of thing. But it absolutely is not necessary for you to have read everything if you just want to pick up the one. That's exactly it. Or you can read them kind of out of order. It may seem a little weird if you do because there is a chronology, but you won't really have missed too much if say you pick up you know book eight and then you go back and you're like well I really want to check out book one because I loved this and work your way through yeah in this case um I know a lot of the reviews say people were kind of not sure they wanted to read it and then they read it and they said they were like wow this is beautifully done because what love without limits tackles is polyamory um generally most people read the romance for the monogamy, for the, the I found the one, that feeling. And it doesn't matter what kind of romance it is. It doesn't matter, you know, whether it's male-female, male-male, or, or lesbian romance. Most people are reading it with that, that mindset of how beautiful to have found that one person who kind of you know, completes you, which in itself is a totally different can of worms, of course. The idea that you need someone to complete you, it's totally different. But with people looking for that, a big rule in writing romance is no cheating. Yeah. But is polyamory cheating? No, of course it's not. But a lot of people don't necessarily see it that way. And so... Polyamory is fascinating. And one of these worlds that have just relatively recently kind of opened up for me because I was very much of the the whole thing of like just the one person not interested at all in, in even knowing about polyamory. Then this series called You, Me, Her came on to Netflix. I think it was on Netflix in the UK. I don't know if you guys have it in the US Netflix. I don't think you do. Anyway, this series is uh, about a polyamorous trio and they all fall in love with each other. And I was just like, it's so well done that I suddenly was like, okay, I get it now. Sometimes you just fall in love with more than one person. Yeah, and it's possible and it happens. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, I think people, I don't know if they're scared or, or what it is about polyamory that frightens them. Um, obviously, it's not for everyone. It's not like people walk around sure. saying, oh, you should be open to love with more than one person. But it's a valid form of love. Absolutely. And we shouldn't judge. I yeah. think it's the same thing that people feel about gay people. They mm. they don't understand. They don't know. And therefore, it's scary. Yeah. And this is why media is so important. You've got to present it as, as a valid something and not as a scary something. Exactly. So the fact that we're getting queer characters now on TV that are not the bad guys that are not trying to convert every woman, you know, or trying to hump every woman we see. I mean, that's a much more accurate reflection of actually 
what it is to be queer. Because we don't go around trying to hump every woman we see. It just takes too much energy. It, it really would. I, I agree with that. Um, <laughs> plus, I think there comes a point where, where we kind of outgrow that anyway. Because I, I will admit that in my 20s and 30s, I was kind of like, you're attractive. Get over here. Um, and then I got to a point where I was like, nah. But it's even it's even along the lines of like um this whole thing of like uh, don't change in front of a lesbian because I don't know you're gonna get lesbian cooties and she'll see your boobs oh no we have our own boobs we see our you know we've seen yeah. women's boobs we're not we don't care about your damn boobs yeah seriously I think that's true I um I've encountered that that with friends who are you know gay bisexual just anywhere on the spectrum and yeah people. Fear what they don't understand. Many people have sexual feelings, whether they're toward male, female, whomever. That doesn't make anyone a predator of any sort. If you are straight, I don't look at you and go, oh, please, please, no, don't be interested. And if you're a woman, I don't look at you and go, please, no, don't be interested. Well, that's exactly it. So anyway, back to my original point, which was really long-winded ago. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm glad that... <laughs> polyamory rocks. <laughs> I'm glad that, that was not your point. Not point. <laughs> I'm glad that Harper Bliss tackled the issue of polyamory in, in a, a healthy way that made people realize that it's not this big scary thing. In in the story, I mean yeah, she totally delves into it. She she delves into why it's a very real and actually normal way for people to choose to express how they love other people and there's nothing wrong with it and I wish more people would embrace it I really wish uh, more people would read the book and I mean who knows maybe everyone already has but if they haven't get it immediately check it out the characters are relatable too I mean how many of us have have thought oh, I don't know if I could have an open relationship. And that's kind of become the impetus for more, kind of more self-examination. Um, and why do I feel the way I feel? How would I be in this situation? So I think that's a big part, too, of the story that I really enjoyed, besides the steamy sex, of course. And And if you self-examine and come to the end of it and go, hmm, polyamory is just not for me that's totally cool too and then you it's totally valid and and but then you at least understand why it would be an option for somebody else exactly yeah and i mean there's who we love at 18 it might change when we're 25 35 45 you, we just don't know how we're going to change as as we grow up some of us kind of come full circle and we're like oh what i wanted at 16 after this journey almost 30 years later i realize I still want what I want what I wanted at 16, but I've experienced other things. And then people, other people change and change and change, and they never kind of cycle back. And polyamory can be part of that journey. And even if it's not going to be, it's still good to understand and respect and appreciate it. I completely agree with that. And I think this is so important for me in the lesbian sector particularly, because <laughs> on the one hand, we get very open, very willing to read about different lifestyles, individuals, but you also get the people who are so anti anything to do with men that they don't even want to know about bisexual women in the sector or pansexual women. And 
that frustrates me because I feel like he's shutting down a whole lot of very legitimate women who are, are experiencing just their own thing. Oh, absolutely. 100%. I agree with you so completely. Okay, so your last recommendation. All right. Okay, so I'm going to keep this super short. The Price of Salt by, of course, Patricia Highsmith writing at the time as Claire Morgan. I don't think I really need to delve into it too much because most people have either read the book or seen the movie. But, of course, it's about a young lady, um, Therese, working in a department store, and she meets a glamorous, beautiful older woman, and that would be Carol, um, which, of course, is the name of the movie version. Both of them are lonely. And you've got kind of a young adult story to some extent here, because Therese is just beginning her life, just kind of becoming independent and discovering herself. And she's dating a guy that she's just she doesn't dig. She's just not that into him. And Carol is dealing with a divorce. And through that loneliness and through that intrigue that Therese feels for Carol, they bond emotionally, they bond sexually, and they build a relationship. And... Um, this book was really remarkable for its time because it was published in 1952 and its ending was very different than a lot of the stories where you were punished for being a lesbian and you were punished for being a woman declaring your independence for men at the you know in the story. So it it does have a happy ending. I mean, happy for now, I'd say. And I I love it. I love it because it, it kind of explores society's limits on women um, and not just in the 1950s because a lot of those limits are kind of still in force today. A lot of the time uh, a woman making her own choices and being independent is still kind of punished for being who she is. And I feel like that's what this story explores, um, not just the relationship, but the effect of society on the choices women make. And that's one of the reasons I love it. And so I know it's I know it's classic. Everyone's probably already read it, but if you haven't, get the out there and pick it up. Nice. And has it held up still a good read? I feel like it still is, and I think that's because I've seen that a lot of the attitudes in it are still kind of perpetuated today. There's a there's a lot of attitudes where a woman who is not, you know, quote-unquote like in her place needs to be put there even still today and that was one of the aspects of carol's relationship with her ex-husband he threatened her with you're going to cut off this relationship with this other woman or i'm taking the kid and she went to fight for her daughter and still ended up not having custody of her oh spoiler alert um and but i mean and she you know why why go fight if you know someone's only going to take away what you want to fight for anyway why give in when someone's going to say well you cut off the relationship but i'm still taking the kid and you're agreeing to it because i have all this evidence of your wrongdoing of being gay so she still she still ended up getting punished in the end, and I feel like there's still a pervasive attitude that if a woman stands up and declares who she is and what she wants, not everybody in society is going to accept that and be cool with that. Oh, for sure. For sure. And wow, that's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> depressing but real. So yeah, I do think the story has held up over, gosh, 60, over 60 years now. 
almost 70 years, I, I still think it has a lot of validity today. That's impressive that it's, you know, lasting like that. Okay, so you've written like a bunch of books, 20-something books. You've got three of them on audiobook, and they're all narrated by Laurie Prince. So for those of you who are fans of the lovely Laurie Prince, you can go and check out Jay Hawkins' audiobooks. Which book do you think people should start with if they've never read your work? What I normally do is steer people to either Must Love Chickens, because I just had so much fun writing it, and people seem to love Esmeralda the Chicken, or As Long as Love Lasts, if they don't mind a book that requires tissues, because it it does have its moments, um, because it's kind of a historical slash contemporary romance blended into one. I know Must Love Chickens is one of your audiobooks. Is the other one also? It is not, and I really should ponder going that direction with it. We'll see. We'll see what happens this year. Fantastic. And where can people find you online? So you can find me at www.jjeahawkins.com or on Twitter. I want to say it's J underscore Hawkins. I could be wrong. I don't have my Twitter open. That is right. It's, it's J underscore Hawkins. Oh, I win Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> that was delightful. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much. This has been the Lesbian Review Podcast. You can find this and other awesome shows by searching for the Lesbian Talk Show anywhere you get your podcasts. We're even on Spotify now. Find more information on our guest in the show notes, as well as links to what we spoke about on this episode. And if you've enjoyed this podcast and want to see us creating more awesome content, then consider becoming a patron. Not only does this mean we can keep on doing this, but you will get exclusive podcasts that do not appear on the channel. You can find out all about it on patreon.com slash the lesbian talk show. The link is in the show notes. That's all for this episode. Bye.